Hey everyone, it's Dawn, Sarah, and we are about to go into this week's episode of Sex Gets Real. But first, I've been throwing around the idea of doing a Sex Gets Real tour with some live in-person events where I take your questions and we record as a group and maybe even having a little cocktail hour before or after And as the idea becomes one that I fall in love with a little bit more each time I think it, it occurs to me, I need to know where you are. So I've thrown together a little survey. And if you go to sexgetsreal.com, you'll see it right on the homepage. You just click to let me know where you are and if you'd be interested in having me come to a city near you. So of course, dear listener, I want to know, would you like me to come? Well, that's a loaded question, (laughs) but I want to know where you are. So be sure to go to sexgetsreal.com. Let me know, and hopefully I can work something out in the next couple of months or within the next year to do a great big tour of the podcast and bring it to a city near you. If you want to stay on top of updates, make sure you're on the Sex Gets Real newsletter, and also make sure that you follow Sex Gets Real on Twitter at sex gets real. Nice and easy. On with the show. Hey everybody, it's Dawn Sarah with Sex Gets Real. And this week I am joined by Kyla Prince, who is a drag queen trapped in a cis woman's body, a performing woman who is performing woman, and a body positivity wellness coach. So welcome to the show, Kyla. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have you on the show. We actually talked a couple of weeks ago on your show all about mm-hmm. like body positivity and and fat bodies and sexuality. And I was so excited to have you come on the show because I've never actually had someone on the show who does pole dancing and burlesque. And that's something that you do. Yes, indeed. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I know this is something that a lot of the listeners are really interested in, either from a very like personal perspective or because it's something they enjoy consuming. Mm-hmm. And I would really love it if you could just start by kind of telling us the difference between pole dancing and burlesque. Yes. Okay. So um, it, it sort of depends because uh, I actually perform polesque, which is <laughs> burlesque on a pole. Um, so there's a lot of crossover. Um, and I think it, it really depends on the context. So, um, you know, when I first started taking pole dance classes, uh, which is actually, so I went to a burlesque show and went to go find burlesque classes. Um, but there weren't any in my area. So I ended up at a pole studio. So I started taking pole classes and my pole dance classes were very focused on sensuality and movement and then building strength. And so doing, um, my studio is less focused on the tricks per se and more just on like the finding the, the sensuality in the music. Um, but there are other studios that are much more focused on like tricks and competition. So pole dance uh, itself involves obviously the pole. <laughs> um, there are some people who uh, are very, very into the sexual side of it. And so they will like they're crawling on the floor and doing a lot of low flow and not a lot of tricks and climbing, but more just like sensual movement. And there are people who are like, this is a sport. Let's do the Olympics on a pole. And so they're, you know, they're doing everything that you'd see on a horizontal bar but vertical Mm -hmm. um 
So that's pull, right? It doesn't necessarily involve taking your clothes off, but it may. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do want to point out, obviously, pole dance has its roots in um, strip clubs, Mm -hmm. right? So what we learn, everything that we do in pole dance came from stripping, Um, came from like, we have to like nod to the strippers who who pioneered the way for pole dance to become a sport. Um, There are a lot of people who are very obsessed with the idea that like, I don't want to be associated with strippers. I'm just doing this because I'm strong. Um, no, like there yeah. is, there is a very, um, deep tie to strippers and there are, I, I've taken classes with strippers. Um, and it's great because then you learn from the, the originals, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but pole dance can be something that is like institutionalized sport. Um, it can just be like a, I'm just walking around the pole feeling myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And it can be a performance for money or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, now burlesque is something slightly different. Burlesque, uh, actually, uh, started many, many years ago. Um, there are some really great documentaries where they have like living legends talking about their actual experience in burlesque, but essentially it was kind of like the dirty vaudeville. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, it was cheap entertainment and actually the focus really wasn't necessarily on the dancing girls as it was like on the comedians who got paid more than the girls did. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And there would be it, it basically was vaudeville with your tops off and, you know, wearing pasties was sometimes optional unless the police showed up. But it was very much based in parody and humor mm. and a little bit of tongue in cheek. So pole dance tends to be a little bit more serious. Um, I am doing this dance because I'm feeling sexual, sensual, whatever. This is the intent of the dance. Whereas burlesque, at least originally, had a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek parodic feel to it, a little bit of pastiche, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of humor. So people like Gypsy Rose Lee, who actually, like, had humor in their acts, became immensely famous. These days, burlesque is something entirely different. Um, We call it neo-burlesque, and there's many different... um, ways that you can burlesque. You can be Dita Von Teese, who mm-hmm. is very focused on like the classic sense of burlesque, of the showmanship and the production value and as many Swarovski crystals as possible and <laughs> just walking around the stage looking pretty, mm-hmm. right? So there's that. And then there's political burlesque where you go on stage and make a statement and aren't necessarily there to be sexy, but you still take your clothes off because you're making a statement and the way that you use your body is the statement there is nerdlesque and boylesque and ghoulesque and I mean you name it and it's like it's it's great <laughs> but there's many different ways that you can do it now <laughs> that's so awesome oh my yeah, god I hope that answers the question <laughs> no definitely yeah and I I guess it was either last year or the year before at a conference, a sexuality conference that I was at. They had a burlesque performance one of the nights. and Oh, great. Yeah, it was incredible. And the performers were very much like tongue-in-cheek and humor about their performances mm-hmm. while also being really sexy and, mm-hmm. you know, slowly and teasingly peeling off their silk stockings one at a time and, yes. and you know, kind of wrapping them around their necks. And uh, someone did a mm-hmm. league of, of their own kind of spoof <laughs> with the, the little outfit Love and it. bat. And yeah, and it was really fun. And that's really what struck me about it was, mm-hmm. yes, clothes were coming off. And yes, mm-hmm. they looked 
gorgeous and had all these like really fun or beautiful costumes and great makeup and hair, but it was really truly about the performance and the story that they were telling. And, you know, kind of at the end there was the reveal, but it was almost like it was part of the punchline. Yes. So I really liked that. And, you know, and, and the thing about burlesque is it really is about the tease. It's about um, that slow, like, I am controlling the audience's gaze and expectation and payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one of the very first burlesque classes I ever taught, or I ever took, rather. Um, the teacher told us a story about this one burlesque dancer who, for the entire time she was on stage, the only thing she did was very slowly remove a glove. Oh, and wow. that's it. Yeah. But the audience was eating it up because it's all about the expectation and the payoff and it's all controlled by the dancer. So when you get to that big reveal, you feel this sense of like, Oh, I get it. (laughs) You know? Um, And it's, it's really fun because we've added this layer of real storytelling. So many of us uh, in the neo burlesque scene, often political, but sometimes just humorous that really, it, it plays with your expectations in a way that's sexy, but also has this really great, like, dramaturgical payoff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I was also, going back to the pole dancing, so happy to hear you say, you know, pole dancing really takes its roots from strip clubs. And I just, I think that's so important because I feel like we still have this very clear kind of cultural distinction of, well, I do pole dance for exercise, Mm-hmm. As if to distance yeah. yourself from the people who do pole dance to make money and to pay college yeah. tuition or because they really like it. And mm-hmm. I think that's just so important. So I'd love to hear more about kind of your relationship with that. Yeah. So when I started, you know, I have a lot of, uh, I'll just put it out here. I have a lot of shame around my body, sexuality. Um, I was raised that way. I, I came from, a, those of you who are in or know Boca Raton, it's a very uh, image obsessed, like everybody has to be um, a certain way kind mm-hmm. of culture. And I desperately wanted to be the kind of person who was a good girl um, and seen as virtuous and seen as a certain way, um, you know, and seen as, you know, high class, mm-hmm. you know, even if, even if we're not really high class, but we can just pretend by <laughs> buying the things, right? right? You know, that's how this works, right? And so I had a lot of shame about wanting to do pole dance or telling people about it anyway, because, you know, the response that I got was, um, you're never going to be able to find work. You're never going to be respected. You're going to lose everything because you're being associated with strippers. So my immediate reaction was to be like, well, I'm not a stripper. I'm doing this for fitness. Mm -hmm. But and I think that that's why uh, so many of us go in that route, because it can be damaging to your career. Um, If you work for example, I work for a public company, right? Like I struggle daily with the idea that like I could get fired. I'm I'm at will, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, just because somebody takes issue with the fact that I do pole dance. So uh, there are competitions where like you're not allowed to show your gluteal fold um, and you're not allowed to do any body rolls or any quote unquote sexy dancing. Oh, wow. This is a fitness competition. Yeah. Like there's one in California. I think it's happening like this weekend. Um, at, that's like literally like this is strictly fitness. There is nothing sexy about it. And I, that's, that's a way to look at it. But because I strive really hard to 
continue to check my privilege and to uh, I, I believe so wholeheartedly in intersectional feminism that I challenged myself to go and learn, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and here's the thing. I can't I cannot appropriate somebody else's form of dance. Right. Mm-hmm. I cannot appropriate and oppress at the same time in good conscience yeah. in anything. Right. So why would I do that to my sisters who are doing this for work, for fun, for whatever it is that they they are using this art form for, but who are doing it in a context that makes people around me feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, I've taken classes with strippers. I follow Lux ATL, Mm -hmm. who is a stripper with a Ph.D. And she if you're not following her, everyone should go follow her like right now. (laughs) Right now. S.A.P. Like, I get nothing out of saying this other than the the joy of knowing that you'll know who she is. She just released her own podcast called Stripcast, and it's about stories of being in the strip club, and they are not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it's the, it's the underbelly. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I will not hashtag my stuff with not a stripper, because guess what? If I'm going on stage and stripping, right. <laughs> I am a stripper. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and while I'm not in the same position as women who are doing this because this is their only way of earning money or they are working in a strip club, I cannot also appropriate their oppression for myself, right? Mm-hmm. But I can acknowledge and and appreciate that this is where it came from and this is what I am doing and not being ashamed of that, Yeah, um, I think is a good way to help start the unoppression, (laughs) if you will, um, and hopefully open other people's eyes to the fact that maybe this isn't something that is shameful and awful, but rather a piece of our culture that we need to start acknowledging. So, I don't know. That's that's where I'm at. <laughs> yes, I totally, totally agree. And I am so excited now to go listen to Stripcast and hear all about yeah. the stripping stuff because I think it's so important yeah. that we have these conversations. And, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to ask you about is, and you kind of brought this up in this, this underbelly of being in strip clubs, you know, as a consumer of someone mm-hmm. who's taking their clothes off, either as pole dancing or burlesque or really any version of putting your body on display for others to consume, what are your tips for how we can be good consumers of that? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I love about burlesque, at least the culture that is here in the San Francisco Bay Area, is that our audiences are on board with us, right? Mm. Burlesque is a performance art. <laughs> we are not there for, you know, it, this is not a dark theater with, you know, a, a you know, not safe for work, work movie playing on the screen and everybody's ashamed to be there, mm-hmm. right? Burlesque is an art and we require people's participation in that, but in a safe, consensual way. So what I mean by that is like, we ask our audiences, we tell them at the beginning, like, you know, shout, hoot, holl- if you see something you like, cheer for it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Share your joy. Be a part of this. Share your energy. Understand that these performers are here to perform for you and to share pieces of their story, but not in a lascivious for consumption sort of way. Yeah. Um, so understanding the the difference between the two things, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, being a, being respectful of performers' bodies. So you know, just because I choose to take my shirt off and then I go walk through the audience, right? To you know, after my act, that doesn't mean that I'm now here for elevator eyes, right? Yeah. 
that does not mean that I am now here to be touched or picked up or any of those things because that's not why I'm there. Um, I'm there to do my performance and use my body as a part of that performance. Um, And so understanding that there's like a, you know, we we have a contract of consent when I'm on stage Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that extends into the audience and after the show and into my inbox as well. You know, fortunately, I've been very lucky that I haven't uh, necessarily gotten the barrage of Facebook dick pics, but <laughs> many of my girl, many of my girlfriends yes. have, specifically because they just have a picture of like, this is my stocking, or these are my pasties, and immediately it's just like, the inbox gets full. Right. So, but yeah, it really is about, when you're, when you're an audience member, participating in terms of you know, you're consenting to be there, to have a good time, to share, to cheer and hoot and holler and be free. What I loved about burlesque from from the second I sat down at the Hubba Hubba Review in November of 2014, <laughs> which was the very first time I'd ever seen a burlesque show, was that regardless of body size or shape or ability or, you know, perceived beauty or all of these, all of these things that normally in regular culture would delineate who gets applause Mm -hmm. and who gets loved and who is appreciated none of those things mattered and the audience was invested in the excitement of the tease of the story of people being willing to get on stage but it requires willingness from the audience to look past our perceived uh notions of acceptable beauty Mm -hmm. um it it requires that participation so that's a huge huge part of it yeah yeah it's interesting that you say that because my experiences in strip clubs is they have very specific types of performers and the the audience members who are usually 95% cis guys are kind of waiting for their type of performer to come on and the rest of the time they're just kind of waiting and or looking fairly bored. Whereas mm-hmm. I've been to like drag king shows that had burlesque and belly dance performers. And mm-hmm. it was that like feeling that you're explaining of like everyone in the audience is there to just have fun. And whether it's someone in a fat body doing belly dance in like a bra and little shimmies or mm-hmm. a super, super, super tiny little person that's getting up there and doing this like really butch drag act everyone in the audience is like appreciating the fact that this person's putting themselves out there. Yes. And it felt very like supportive and exciting. And so I love, I wish we could cultivate more of that Mm -hmm. in spaces where it's more sexualized, you know, like I know a lot of people go to strip clubs because they want to live out a fantasy or Mm -hmm. have a sexual experience. But, you know, I think it's, you're right that, Strip clubs can be just so doused in shame and Yes, that's darkness. exactly what I was going to say. Yep. Yeah. Yep, and, yep, yep. you know, you have all the films playing and the, and the lights are really low and you're trying not to really make eye contact with the other people that are there. And you yep. go into like dark corners to, to try and kind of play out a fantasy that you feel like you either are entitled to or can't get anywhere else. And it has such a different feel than these like performances with the bright lights and the bright colors and everybody's cheering and you know it would be wonderful if we could bring a little bit more of that into into yeah. just some of the more sexualized spaces well and and here's the thing you know if you go to a burlesque show if you project your shame about bodies and sexuality onto the performers that 
brings the whole room down. So you have to check your shame at the door. Like it doesn't come in with you because here is a free, unashamed place. We are not ashamed to be on stage. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. You know, like I'm not doing this because I'm being compelled, because I feel bad about myself, because, you know, this is the only thing I can do. I'm literally here out of choice. Right. Mm -hmm. Because this is something that energizes my spirit and my soul and makes me continue to uh, feel free in my own sexuality and sensuality and agency. Um, And that's why I'm there. So I'm not ashamed. So if you project your own shame onto the stage, that creates this tension in the audience that that leads to a bad performance, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and leads to a bad experience for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned kind of the consent that's happening between you on stage and the audience, because I think that's so important of it's one thing to stand on stage and say, I'm doing this for me. And I sure hope you're here to enjoy me too. And to kind of create this space where we're all having fun and knowing that this is you doing this for you. And if we get enjoyment too out of it, it's great versus Mm -hmm. kind of that male gaze of expectation of you're doing this for me and I'm entitled to see your body. And the performance is more about the person in the audience feeling like they're owed something either because they paid money at the door or because they showed up. And, you know, I think just from kind of this feminist perspective that you're bringing to it, that's such an important part of the conversation because I think, I've been to a lot of strip clubs and some of them are fully (laughs) nude and some of them are, they leave their bottoms on and some of them are, you know, they have to have their nipples Mm -hmm. covered or there's no alcohol or there is alcohol. And what I find so interesting is, well, two things. Every time I go, the strippers are really interested in interacting with me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because they feel safe Mm -hmm. with me um, because for whatever reason, there tends to be, and I'm, I'm going to kind of paint with a broad, broad brush, but you know, I've never reached out and tried to touch somebody's body unless they've asked me to. Right. And I think that that's part of why when I go to strip clubs, I often get kissed or I get to put my hands in really interesting places. And it's because <laughs> I'm waiting for the invitation and they like playing with me versus mm-hmm. I've seen folks in strip clubs touch when they haven't been invited, get angry when someone tells, tells them no, or get angry that, you know, they paid for one song and now the performer is walking away at the end of that song. And they feel like, you know, well, we started 90%, like I'm missing 10%. So I should get a second song and kind of this like entitlement around, I deserve access to your body just because I'm here and you're naked. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I just, I want so much more of kind of the energy that you get at, in these performance spaces to come into the spaces where money's being exchanged on the one-on-one level too. Yeah. And that's, that is the tough part, Yeah, (laughs) you know, and you know, I think for, for, you know, I've only been doing this uh, now. Uh, burlesque specifically uh, will be a year in August and pole dance, uh, I guess will be two years in November. You know, so it's it's been a, a short run compared to a lot of the dancers who've been doing this for years and years and years. But, you know, for, for me, what is so important about having these safe performance spaces is, you know, so I recovered from an eating disorder mm-hmm. and I struggled specifically with sexuality and sensuality and being embodied yeah. uh, for most of my life. 
because of that expectation and lack of consent. Mm -hmm. Suffering through some emotional trauma and then some sexual trauma um, and also just being raised in a world where I was informed that my body you know, hey, rape culture, my body is not a safe place for me. Right. Um, and so having these performance spaces and even the rehearsal spaces, taking classes um, before I ever intended to perform, uh, really allowed me to open up in a safe way and explore the pieces of me that I never knew I could ask for consent mm -hmm. for. I know that was grammatically incorrect, but the, the sentiments there, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, and when I learned how to ask for consent by learning what is consensual, yeah. you know, what, what do I enjoy? What do I not enjoy? Um, what are the pieces of me that I want to show right now? What are the pieces of me that I don't want to engage with at this moment? It allowed me to actually have a much healthier actual sexual relationship with the person who became my partner. And I had never had a relationship with anyone before that hadn't triggered my eating disorder mm -hmm. because my eating disorder was a way to erase all of the cis female aspects of my body. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's really, really powerful. And I love, I love the way that you were just talking about what parts of myself do I want to engage with right now? And what parts of myself mm -hmm. don't I? Because I think the message that we get just across all genders is it's kind of an all or nothing culture. So yes. you're either completely numbing out and cutting it off because you just don't want to deal with it. Or you're mm -hmm. like all in, do all the things, fix all the things, be a hundred percent. Okay. And if you're mm -hmm. in between kind of the messages, you're not there yet. Um, yep. in, in kind of a negative way. And so I yep. love that you're giving yourself this permission of like, what part of myself do I want to bring out tonight and share with others? And what parts of myself are just for me or, yeah. you know, how am I feeling? I think that's, that's so profound and I almost none of us do that. Yeah. Well, and what's great about striptease specifically is you can choose what to show and what not to show. So, you know, I, so I started teaching burlesque recently and one of the exercises that I had my students do on the very first class that I ever taught was, you know, we started by like identifying the part of your body that you just like, it's always on point. You're always like, this is the part of my body that I am like, I'm going to show this. I'm proud of it, whatever. Identify it. That's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're so often told like you're only supposed to love everything or nothing. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's like, no, be okay with this one thing. Great. Pick that thing, you know, then transfer that energy, the energy that you feel right now. Like, wow, I feel so good about like my arm or my butt or whatever. Transfer that to the part of your body that makes you feel icky. Mm -hmm. Acknowledge that it makes you feel icky, that you don't like showing it, that you don't like moving it or jiggling it or feeling it like be yeah. right. And just transfer the energy to that part of your body. Okay. Now, imagine if it felt like <laughs> that part that you loved. You don't have to be there today. You mm -hmm. don't have to love it today. You don't even have to use it today. But just imagine what it would be like if you loved that part of your body. And then we did an exercise where we practiced doing like a, a basic burlesque walk, but then transferring the energy into different parts of our body. And it's like, if it feels comfortable, use that part of your body to lead the walk, right? Mm -hmm. Use that part that feels icky but using the energy that feels good yeah. and just see how it feels. Now you don't ever have to do this again. <laughs> no, you don't ever have to explore this again, but just start thinking about different parts of your body and how you want to use them. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, I know dancers who will wear certain kinds of clothing because they don't feel comfortable showing a certain part. And that's OK. Yeah. Like we always think that body positivity is like just go on stage naked. Everyone will love you. Right. You don't have to be there yet. It's cool. Get mm-hmm. there when you get there. You know, <laughs> well, and like um, what, what's just resonating so much with me right now about what you're saying is those exact same things can be translated to how you feel in the bedroom with a partner. Yes. You know, it's yes. like, okay, what's one part of myself that I just always feel really good about or feel is really sexy or beautiful or soft or tender or whatever it is. And like, allow yourself to show that thing off so that you can bring Mm -hmm. that energy in. Like, I love that this translates to, to so many aspects of being in your body. Yes, exactly. And you know, I mean, that is the, that is the important part is really just, and like I said, that's why I love taking these classes and being in these spaces where I got to explore this by myself first Mm -hmm. and then could translate it it back into the bedroom, back into my relationship. Um, you know, and I, I want to create safe spaces, no matter what your gender, your your sexual preference, like have this moment of being in your body, mm-hmm. learn what it feels like to be embodied and to have control of the gaze. Yeah. <laughs> like when you learn how to have control of the gaze to say, I have agency and my agency says that I want to do this thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, that is when you then can start to build the confidence to to in an intimate relationship or an intimate intimate situation say this is what I'm ready to do this is what I'm not ready to do and I I wish I really do like I wish for my younger self that I had been taught how to do this because so many of my initial quote-unquote like relationships I don't even know if you can call them that right but my initial sexual encounters were really based on like I don't feel comfortable doing this why are you doing this but I know I have to yeah um I and it and because I didn't have that agency because I didn't know I had the ability to say no so even while I, I consented every part of my being was vibrating with no yeah and it was traumatic and awful. And I honestly believed that I would never be able to have a relationship that wouldn't end up destroying me emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and if somebody had just said to me like, Hey, you know, you're 18, take a burlesque class, go learn how to have fun in your body. You never have to actually show anybody. You don't ever have to wear pasties if you don't want to yeah. just go, go be okay. Sex is not bad. <laughs> You know, if I had just known that, that bodies are not bad, bodies showing sexuality or sensuality or just, you know, showing (laughs) themselves are not bad. If someone had just said that to young me, I feel like so much heartache and heartbreak and mental illness would have been completely avoided. Yeah. And you know what just like really struck me as you were talking was in you were kind of talking about how you have this agency to choose what the, what the gaze is going to consume. And so like these, these are the parts of myself that I'm going to show right now because that's what feels good and how Mm -hmm. there's this like transactional element to it of for this moment in time, this is what feels good to share with you. And I'm happy for you to consume it. The next time we engage in this transaction, it might be totally different. 
And, you know, so I think that's so important when it comes to like consent of just because the last time I showed you my tits doesn't mean that this time I'm going to show you my tits and you can't expect that of me. And I get to decide how much of myself I'm sharing. And then we get to kind of have this exchange where, you know, either in a performance venue or in a one-on-one transaction, we get to then kind of like negotiate what that looks like. But I love that instead of there being this expectation of, well, last time you took your top off. So in this time's performance, you need to take your top off too, of being like, no, this time I just want to pull a glove off and show my shoulder. Yeah. And And you know, it's so, yeah. And and what's ironic is so like, I, I'm, you know, at at my pole studio, everybody knows that I do burlesque now, um, which a lot of the women who do pole do not take their clothes off. Like, nope, nope. I'm wearing the maximum amount of coverage for me and nobody needs to see my tits, right? And that's totally fine as well. That is where they are with their specific needs and desires for their Mm -hmm. body. Um, But I'm like, yeah, whatever, I'll wear pasties, sure. And so like I've done, uh, when we had our our annual pole expo in April, or I guess it was, uh, was it November? It might've been November. Um, I did this one number where I twirled tassels, right? Oh, Um, nice. And and so recently I just did a pole dance competition and I think I wore more clothes than anybody else there, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it was just, that was, I didn't take anything off, mm-hmm. um, you know, based on the rules of the competition. But like, even then I was wearing jeans, shorts and a crop top. I was wearing so much clothes and shoes. Yeah. I was wearing, uh, uh high heeled boots and, but it was about the, that was what that song needed, mm-hmm. you know? I didn't need to be wearing something sexy and slinky for that song. So that was the story I chose to tell that day. Yeah. You can be a burlesque dancer and also wear all the clothes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know? And I'd love to know, like, for you, what's your experience when you are in those places of taking clothes off in front of an audience? Like, what's that, what's that been like for you to have the lights on you and to feel your skin being exposed and to people getting to see your body in this way? Like, what has that been like that public experience of being as naked as however naked you get? (laughs) Well, so the very first time I ever performed, I was very lucky because, um, Crystal Bugon who runs curvy girl lingerie did, uh, a fashion show. And the, one of the, burlesque dancers who was supposed to perform broke her leg. Oh no. And yeah. And I was kittening a show. It was one of the very first times I'd ever been a stage kitten where the stripper picker uppers. So we're the ones who come out between acts and pick up clothes and props. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so I was kittening the bad influence burlesque show in San Jose and, uh, we're backstage and my friend Maisie mayhem was saying, Oh, well, you know, Lana Deliciosa broke her foot and we can't, I don't know what we're going to do. And I said, well, when's the performance? And she said, it's in two weeks. And I said, do you need someone to fill in? And she said, absolutely. And I said, okay. So I put together an act. I had two weeks to costume, set, music, choreography, figure out the whole thing. Um, And I was scared to death. (laughs) Like, and this was a, an entirely, um, you know, female identified space, uh, fat positive size acceptance space, which thank God for that. So I was in a completely safe space, um, for this performance. And I, it was, it was nerve wracking because I felt every moment of it, Mm -hmm. you know, taking my clothes off. The worst part was also a fuse blew in the middle of my song. So I had to finish without music. Um, 
But I did it. I finished. Um, and then the second performance that I did was at Bombshell Betty's All Kinds of Sexy in uh, second Tuesday of every month in San Francisco at the Elbow Room. And again, I felt everyone's eyes on me and like, oh, my God, I'm taking my clothes off. <laughs> I've been doing this for almost a year now, and I don't think about it. For me, it's part of the choreography. Mm-hmm. And it's actually... Um, I did last month at Bombshell Betty's show. I did this one number that just involved so much tassel twirling at the end. (laughs) And I had a blast. It was so much fun. I was twirling one boob and then I was twirling the other (laughs) and then jumping up and down and just jiggling as much as possible. It was great. And I think what what got me to that place is that the the acts that I normally do have a story to them mm-hmm. and there's a reason to take my clothes off. So, for example, I do this one number that combines postmodern jukebox uh, rendition of Barbie Girl and All About That Bass. And I think that All About That Bass is an incredibly problematic song, but it works for this number. Yeah. Um, <laughs> incredibly problematic. But the idea is I I come on as Barbie and like start freaking out because I take a selfie and I realize I have cellulite and there's like a whole story behind it and I get on a scale and then all about that bass comes on and I start taking my clothes off um, and letting go and then eventually there's a point where like I just jiggle my stomach at the audience Aww. you know you know yeah. and it is so freeing because at that point it's not about my boobs right <laughs> you know right and, like, I don't normally dance in a thong. That's just not my preference. Some people do. So I, I have, like, full coverage panties on for most shows. The show I'm doing tonight, actually, I'm wearing bloomers nice. and teddy bear pasties. Um, <laughs> because it's it's a number called uh, – I, I, I titled it Goldilocks and the Three Chairs. So I'm doing a chair dance. Um, you know, it's very cute. Yeah, but, that sounds really fun. Yeah, but, like, at this point for me, it's like, yeah, I'm going to be naked. Sure, deal with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't feel it anymore because it's, you know, I've I've begun to use story as a way to get back into my body and to not have my breasts be threatening mm-hmm. or intimidating or wrong mm-hmm. for being out. <laughs> oh, God, that's amazing. Yeah. God, there's, like, so much in that that's just delicious and juicy, and I want everyone to just, like, sit in. <laughs> me too yeah and you know i mean at this point i'll at at one of the bombshell betty shows because i know the audience because i know the performers because it is a very like safe space i'll just uh, finish my act i don't need to put my costume back on i'll just walk out in pasties sure why not yeah (laughs) you know i'll go cheer for my friends and And it's great it's it's safe that's what I was, that's exactly what I was just going to say. Like, that's what happens when we get to express ourselves and explore our bodies in spaces that feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when I feel safe, I'm able to, to show more of myself and not just physically, but like emotionally and spiritually. And I'm able to go really interesting places and tell stories and the people around me, because they're helping to create that safe space, get to enjoy so much more of me. Versus mm-hmm. if I'm in a space that feels really unsafe and I'm completely closed off, like there's just, I'm not going to be open to having conversations. I'm not going to be sharing any part of myself. I'm going to be really, really rigid and closed off. And, you know, I just like, I think that's something that's missing from so many of these uh, spaces where sex is being transacted is it often doesn't feel like a very safe space. And if we could make that a safe space for everyone involved, both the consumers and the performers, I feel like there would be so many more really juicy, beautiful, intimate moments happening. 
And, yeah. you know, unfortunately, it's just kind of this more like closed off, what's the least I can amount that I can do for whatever money is being exchanged and then let me go backstage where I feel safe again. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because obviously rape culture makes things not safe in general. Yeah. Um, and so that is a very real thing. But there's also so many of us, uh, our own shame makes mm-hmm. our bodies unsafe. I just remember having a conversation with a coworker. I forget why we were talking about this, but she's like, oh, I would never change in front of people in a locker room. That's just so icky. Yeah. And she was very like closed off and like, oh my God, you no, I would never let anyone see my naked. I feel so weird about showering in a locker room because my body is not like, that's not for anyone to see. Mm-hmm. And that shame itself is so psychologically unsafe because there's literally like the, the worst unsafety in a gym locker room for the most part is like athlete's foot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the, the actual unsafety of having your body seen yes. by other people like that there's something very psychologically damaging about the culture that we live in and it's mm-hmm. just as bad as the physical unsafety that we actually suffer from rape culture yeah it's really interesting because i was just in iceland and mm. um before you go into any of the natural hot springs or the pools it's mandatory naked showering in their locker mm. room before you put your swimsuit on And, Mm -hmm. uh, the culture is just, that's just how it is there. So for ice Icelanders, it's very normal. And for a lot of Europeans, that's also fairly normal. And for the Americans, it can be kind of like, holy crap, you want me to do what? (laughs) And, um, and then what's really interesting is they even have these little cubbies, like you would maybe put a pair of shoes in and that's where you shove your swimsuit. So you don't even have (laughs) your swimsuit in your hand when you walk to the shower. Like you're just like naked walk into the shower. And then it's usually just one big long line of shower heads and everyone's showering Mm -hmm. there. And then you walk all the way back to your cubby and then you pull your swimsuit on and then you go out to the public space where everybody's like swimming or sitting in hot tubs. And you know, it's, it's, the very first time that I encountered that, which was probably, I don't know, seven years ago, mm-hmm. it felt so like, oh my God, I can't believe that I'm going to be naked in public, even though yeah. it was this like this locker room full of people whose bodies were just like mine and they were all just doing it. It felt so like, Oh my God, is there a way to hide? And then kind of this like, he, 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 this will be a funny story to tell. I'll do it as quickly as possible. And on this last trip, you know, we went to probably like eight different pools in the course of like six days. And the more I did it, the more it was just kind of like, I'm one of those people that's just prancing around the locker room absolutely naked and it doesn't feel really weird anymore because it's not <laughs> like a thing. Nobody's commenting on my body. Everybody's just doing their thing. And it and it felt really good to be able to mm-hmm. let go of that like, oh my God, what are they thinking about my uneven saggy boobs and my tummy and my like big fat ass because I'm one of the like biggest people in here and to just be like, I'm just taking a shower so that I can go swimming. Yeah. You know, and like that was such a lovely transition. It it is. And it's just, it's so free. It's like a sigh of relief when suddenly your body stops being this like politically charged thing every time you have to walk into a room. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I have a quick question too. I know you said, um, I think you called it boil-esque or, or yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard of a couple of, of guys getting into burlesque here and there, but I definitely don't Mm -hmm. think it's as popular. And I'd love to know, have you seen, uh, cis men use this kind of art form as a way to really get comfortable in their own bodies? Yeah, so um, boylesque is is actually pretty popular. Um, it's obviously not as as common as burlesque, but it is really it's really interesting. I, I've seen um, a couple of performers. There, I haven't seen like a ton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I know that uh, in Oakland, the Fishnet Folly is one of their own. Uh, Harden Ready, his name is. Uh, he just got named King of Boylesque at Burlesque Hall of Fame. Oh, so that's, that's fun. pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, there was a great performance by uh, Jet Noir at The Body Political where he actually put clothes on. Oh, my! I'm getting chills thinking about it. Uh, So basically his whole thing is, you know, he is a black performer. And so he put on a suit. He got dressed on stage while doing some spoken word. Oh, wow. um, And basically said, like, oh, did you not expect to see this? Oh, let me give you what your expectation is. And then over his suit, he put a, you know, sweatpants and a hoodie. And he's like, now, is this what you wanted to see? Um, and basically, he just kept repeating, I am not a threat. I am not a threat. I, it was like, and then his the back of his uh, sweatshirt, his hoodie said, not a threat in like glitter. Wow. You know? And it was just like, holy cats, this is so good. You know, and I've I've watched like trans women use this as a way mm-hmm. to uh, also perform, leaving the the male, like the the cis male body, yeah, um, and into what their actual, uh, you know, their actual gender is, yeah, and it is just like, it's really great because this is open to everybody, mm-hmm. like literally, you know, cis or trans, um, whatever your you know sexual preference. If you go on stage, uh, what and you know, like you can literally be like non-binary, and there's no judgment or need for you to identify, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is really great. Yeah. Um, because people get the opportunity to explore the boundaries of themselves in a safe place where people are literally cheering for that exploration. Mm. Um. And, you know, in some for some people, it's not as political, you know, it's not as like I am I am coming to this place of of finding my sexual energy and power and my gender expression and all of this. And, you know, for a lot of people, it is. But for some people, it's not. It really is just like I'm going to go on stage, to take my clothes off. I have a really fun dance I want to do. And it can be just that simple. But even if they're not necessarily acknowledging the power of it, it's still that power is happening. That transfer of power is happening. And it's really, it's just, it's neat to see the different gradations and all of the different people who choose this as a way to express who they are. Wow. I love this. Okay, now everybody who's listening, <laughs> you need to go get into burlesque and or pole dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a ton of male pole dancers too, which is also super unfair because their upper bodies tend to uh, develop (laughs) faster. And so they are just like kick ass at tricks. And you're just like, what? You've been doing this for two weeks and you're already like holding a iron X. God damn it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
but it's really great because when you can find, you know, and, and I will say this, there are some spaces that are still very staunchly cis female only. Yeah. Um, because they're trying to create safe spaces for women Mm -hmm. or, you know, that's the, the, but for me, I have really enjoyed being able to be in a safe space with people of all genders Yeah, because that opens up safe spaces in the real world too. Right. You know? Um, and so, you know, I, my studio that I started at is, is a female only studio, but I've, you know, gotten the opportunity to perform with trans women and cis men. And it's just really nice to be able to just say, Hey, we're people with bodies and we're all here and it's safe. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so, and I think that that actually helps you know, when you're talking about all of this BS with the government trying to intervene with people's gender identities, mm-hmm. um, you know, if we can literally show people this is this is a people, yeah. <laughs> this is a people who is safe, right? <laughs> you know, um, having then, you know, obviously right now, because of rape culture, we do need safe places for women, both cis and trans, mm-hmm. right? Like we just do. But I just I, I want to be able to exist in a world where we can all perform together without having a question of like, yes, but is this, is this sexually charged and is this dangerous? Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I would really love for us to be able to get to a place where we can choose to bring in sexual energy or we can choose not to. And regardless of whether it's present or not, all of us understand how to just like be in the space in a really respectful way instead of bringing in the entitlement or bringing in all the expectations about what it means or what comes next or how you want to touch somebody or consume somebody. And, you know, like it would be, you're so right. Like how wonderful to be in a space where we all get to express ourselves in this like really luscious way and be seen and have fun. And then like, that's the end. We did something wonderful and let's do it again sometime. Exactly. I would exactly. love to know. Um, I'm sorry for interrupting. Did you want to make another point? No, no, no. Okay. Go for it. Okay. Well, I was just thinking because as you were talking, I was just like imagining all of these like beautiful naked bodies and like pasties <laughs> and tassels. And I would love to know like, have you learned things in your classes that listeners could bring into their bedrooms at home as fun ways to? like explore their own bodies or to make sexy little scenes for partners and to kind of explore the the energy of burlesque and removing clothing into a more intimate setting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really fun. I, my boyfriend will get mad because I, I only dance for him when I'm on stage. <laughs> um, he's, he's like, you have a pole in the house. I'm like, I know, I'll dance for you. And then I always am like, we have other things to do. Let's go to the theater. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, I think what's really fun is is practicing that controlling the gaze, controlling the the tease. So slow movements and just uh, I'm sitting here in my closet, by the way, like <laughs> my arm is out and I'm like slowly like moving my other hand down my arm, imagining I'm taking off a glove very slowly. Uh. Uh, so I'm just going to narrate this. But like literally, if you can 
um, withhold those expect like withhold the the release, if you will, by just slow movements and making eye contact and really just owning the fact that you are taking off a piece of clothing very slowly Mm -hmm. and very like, you know, gracefully, perhaps going from one glove, taking it off. Right. Maybe biting down on the finger of another glove, slowly just pulling it off with your mouth. That's one of my favorite moves. Um, you know, and then just kind of like using that person's gaze to say like, I am controlling that where, where you're, mm-hmm. where are you looking? And yeah. I'm going to control when you get that satisfaction. Yes. Um, and you know, layer, yeah. <laughs> make it really fun. Yeah. <laughs> Take off bit by bit. And like, there's another, it's like when you unwrap a present and there's more wrapping paper underneath, mm-hmm. it like almost makes getting to the box more fun. Yes. Yeah, that anticipation and knowing that you're kind of playing in this space, I think is so wonderful. I know uh, after I took a couple of lap dancing classes years ago, the person that I was with at the time, when I came home, I said, okay, I want to do a lap dance, but here are the rules. You're not allowed to touch me. You're not allowed to do all these things. And then I did all of these really like sexy, slow anticipation building moves. And because I was the one that was getting to dictate which body parts were pressing where and what was getting revealed and, oh, no touching, you know, Mm -hmm. it created this like really fun tension that at the end of it, both of us were just like all fired up and feeling so just like aroused and it was fantastic. Exactly. So yeah, I love that, that like peel things off and go really slowly and build in that tease. I think that's, that is where so much fun can be had. Absolutely. And you know, like if you want to take a class, you don't have to perform. This is what I always tell people, like you don't have to go on stage for millions of people and take your clothes off like Dita Von Tees. Mm-hmm. Like that's just that if that is what you want, yes, we can definitely work toward it. But like if you just want to do this for you so that when you do go back to the bedroom, you feel like you have that sense of agency and that sense of of self uh, awareness and the ability to, or, or if you don't even want to do it for anyone else and you just want to have it for you, like mm-hmm. take a class, learn how to do it, learn how to get in touch with your body and how to have the ability to make the eye contact to say, I know exactly what you want and I'm not going to give it to you uh, until I say, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> like to have that like really snarky little teasy glint in your eye, like learn how to do that mm-hmm. and just go have fun. <laughs> yeah. I love that. The fun part I think is what's is what's so important and something that I want more of us to cultivate. Like not only for us to have more fun in the bedroom, but for us to more have more fun with ourselves and our experience of our bodies. Exactly. Like we get so serious about whether or not our penis is big enough or stays hard long enough, or we get wet enough, or, you know, we have the right size boobs or we have the Mm -hmm. right size waist or the number on the scale is right. And we just get so serious and like, Oh, I had this many points or this many calories or this many carbs. And instead Mm -hmm. like having this space where you're able to, to have fun and tell stories and decide what you want to experiment with today and kind of, you know, cultivating that sense of play with yourself, mm-hmm. I think is so Absolutely. important if we want to then be able to cultivate it when we're with others. 
Yeah. And, you know, like, honestly, being on stage and having my picture taken and being able to look back at the videos and stuff has given me like there are there are moments when I like look like an absolute goddess. And there are moments when I'm like kind of crunched up and my belly's all really and, you know, (laughs) like you can see the cellulite in the picture. And I have gotten so okay with not having to look perfect all the time Mm -hmm. because of that. Mm -hmm. I don't experience this weird dysmorphia when I see pictures because it's like, oh, this is me having the best time of my life feeling empowered feeling agency feeling all the things I need to feel and I don't look the way that someone expects me to but everybody cheered so I Mm -hmm. guess it's not so bad after all and that allows me to look quote-unquote ugly during sex you know what I mean because there's no like sucking in my belly and having to like be uh, like this perfect picture for my partner because it's like I can just do what I need to do to feel good for the both of us Mm -hmm. and have a good time. And it actually like, there's no, like there's no sense of like, but you didn't look like this porn star or this fitness model or this, you know, person on HBO. Like that's just not how it works anymore for me. (laughs) And how liberating, how absolutely liberating. So liberating. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I have to tell you, we're like at the end of our hour and I, there's this part of me that's like, okay, now I want to look up all the pole dancing and burlesque that's near me and go do all of them right now. (laughs) Do it, do it, do it, do it. I recommend it. (laughs) I really do. And you know, I will put a disclaimer, not every studio, especially pole studios are in the same space. Some people really are like, we're here for fitness. We're Mm -hmm. here for weight loss. We're here for, you know, let's get our sexy beach bodies. And so there, you know, it's not like everyone in the world is enlightened and beautiful and perfect and happy and, you know, in their body. And, you know, we, we have a spectrum. Um, so due diligence, if you do go to a pole studio, but more often than not, in my experience, you will find people of, of many sizes, people of many shapes, people of many backgrounds, people of many abilities doing what they love to do because they love to do it and because it feels good. So I really recommend if you can find a class, take one. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. Yay. Well, I would love for you to tell all of the listeners how they can stay in touch with you, follow along with your story, even find your performances. Like what's all, Mm -hmm. what are all the yummy links? Yes. Okay. So main website is performingwoman.com. If you want to come see a show, performingwoman.com slash dance. And if you want to take a class, then just add slash classes to the end of that. (laughs) Um, And you want to see or, you know, also social media on all of the things. I'm just at performing woman. So Facebook slash at performing woman, Twitter and Instagram at performing woman. I also have a podcast about body positivity, eating disorder recovery, health at every size, intersectional feminism. It's called Finding Our Hunger. And you can find us wherever you are listening to this podcast. (laughs) Yay. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and just being not only so open about your journey and the things that pole dancing and burlesque has done for you, but also and just really calling out all of these like really beautiful political stories and how the body and the way we experience it can be so political in, in just the culture that we live in. So mm-hmm. thank you for, for contributing to, to this and for enriching all of, our, all of our lives with everything that you brought today because it was just delightful. 
Thank you so much. This is so much fun. Yay. Well, to all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you're interested in pole dancing and burlesque, I highly encourage you to check it out. Uh, If you've got any questions for me on future episodes, please go to sexgetsreal.com where you can contact me and either leave your name or do it anonymously. I'll also have all of Kyla's links so that it's easy to click and find her on sexgetsreal.com. And of course, be sure to follow along on Twitter and Facebook at Sex Gets Real, and you can find me on Instagram at Dawn underscore Sarah. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.